everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life Chats with Liv B. I am Liv. Whoop. And there goes my microphone. So welcome back to another episode. I hope you have all been well. I can't believe it has been another week since the last episode. This is like the third episode that I'm recording of being like total isolation mode. Yeah, I feel like every week is kind of a bit of like a whirlwind and yeah, there's just, there's up days, there's down days. There's not too much to say about it anymore. My opinions on it have remained the same. Learned how to make a whiskey ginger yesterday. It was delicious. So yeah, I hope you guys are all taking care as well. Thank you to everyone who tuned in last week and who sent me messages about the episode. I love that you guys are loving these episodes so much. It makes me so happy and I'm just glad to be a voice you can listen to while you're in isolation or while you're just chilling. And oh, also thank you to everyone who um, sent me their like aesthetic Pinterest boards. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to last week's episode, but it was so much fun to look through all of your Pinterest boards and people messaged me being like, this was so much fun. And I just love that. Um, So many people sent me uh, their boards and it's just been so fun to look through them. I feel like I have a glimpse like into your guys' life. So thank you. Uh, I also wanted to read (laughs) this message that I got. Oh my word, the boobs, body image, and free bleeding podcast episode was the funniest episode I've ever listened to. I laughed out loud so many times and I'm so happy to hear that. That episode is so fun and I hope that Katie's able to come back here and record another one sometime soon because we had so much fun doing those. Those are my favorite episodes too. Uh, And then I'll read this other message from someone. Hey Liv, just wanted to say that I love your podcast so much. I love listening to your voice. It's so relaxing and always makes me feel warm and cozy. Okay, that's so cute. The confession slash embarrassing stories episode was so great and relatable. I'd love for you to do those every so often. Hope you're keeping safe and well. Oh, you're too, too, too sweet. Okay, like guys, you're so sweet. I love you all so much. Someone messaged me and they're like, because I posted a story of all my Pantone colors that I was talking about last week and they're like, having listened to the, ep- haven't listened to the episode yet, but being in the print industry, this photo makes me so giddy. Um, literally same. I am going to be doing an episode, as you can see from the title, all about how to be a good pet parent. <laughs> I've wanted to do an episode on having dogs for quite a while. I've touched on the whole, you know, experience of having dogs many times, good and bad, but I thought I would do just like a full-on discussion and Q&A all about having dogs, my experience, my advice. Maybe I'll just introduce my dogs and then I will talk about um, some of the questions that you guys have that you asked. So I have two dogs. Willa is a year and four months ish old. She is a Bernese Mountain Dog Siberian Husky mix. And then we have Hazel, who is eight months old, who is a St. Bernard Great Pyrenees mix, but like with a little bit of shepherd. She's just like kind of a a mixed bag, <laughs> a mixed gal. So I guess I'll just go through the messages and answer them and talk about them. And then maybe some of them will lead into more like longer discussions, I guess. Someone asked, okay, this is <laughs> 
the feeding part is like always a big one. So someone asked what your opinion, what my opinion is on vegan dog food. And then there's probably a bunch of questions asking what food we feed them and what we like if we feed them vegan food and stuff. So I get this question pretty much every time someone sees that I have a dog. They're like, oh, do you feed your dog vegan food? So we do not feed our dogs vegan food. I feel like I've talked about this here before. Maybe not. But yes. So we started our dogs on a puppy formula for large breeds because they're both large dogs and hazel actually kind of falls into the giant dog category but anyway um so we got the large breed puppy formula that our vet sells just because we honestly did not know like when we got willa so i had dogs growing up and my parents pretty much always fed their dog like our family dog um a food from the vet because she always had a lot of health problems and so when we got willa i honestly had no idea about anything like my parents kind of always handled all the dog stuff and I didn't really know too much about it so I was like okay like when we took her to the vet right after we got her to get her shots and stuff I was like okay we're just gonna get the food that they have here because I trust that they at least have one that's like safe for puppies (laughs) so we got that one and then when we were talking to our vet I didn't bring this up but he actually brought up the fact that they don't recommend grain-free diets for dogs anymore. So we just chose kind of like a basic puppy formula for large breeds. And then he also brought up the fact that there are some vegetarian diets, kind of like, that just means like a vegetarian type of food. Certain ones that he's seen dogs do really, really well on and dogs that had heart disease, he's seen that diet reverse it in some dogs. So he is totally on board with a vegetarian diet once they're like fully grown. So we thought that we would just put them on the puppy formula and then at around 18 months we would switch to the vegetarian diet and see how they did on that so at around a year old no maybe like eight months when willow was eight months the food from the vet is just so expensive so we ended up switching her to like a basic adult dog formula i think the brand i don't remember what it's called but i looked it up i looked up like a ton of different brands and this one looked pretty good we get it at walmart so it's a lot cheaper she seems to really like it she's done really well on it we haven't had any issues whatsoever and then hazel's still on the expensive vet puppy food but once she's gets spayed then we'll transfer her to an adult food that's cheaper as well um they both eat quite a lot so we can't go with like the most expensive option and i'm definitely not feeding them a raw diet because that means that i have to buy and handle and give them raw meat and I'm so not down for that being vegan obviously but feeding them non-vegan kibble doesn't bother me as much because I don't personally think that dogs should be vegan I know that there's a lot of people who say that they can be vegan and it's healthy for them but where they can't talk and communicate how they're feeling I just don't think like I'd rather go with the mainstream way for them at least for like my first dogs while I'm still getting you know acquainted with dog behavior and stuff i just don't really trust a vegan diet right now but we will try the vegetarian one that our vet likes um the easiest and hardest parts of being a dog parent the hardest part of being a dog parent is what like knowing what to do when they get sick or injured so will is already (laughs) she has had eye infections like all while she was a puppy growing up and the first time that it happened it was like the worst day of my life I felt like the worst dog parent I was like oh my god she has an eye infection but we ended up just getting this gel stuff that you put on it and it cleared it up and then we kind of used that on and off up until kind of recently like she needed it quite a bit our vet was like it's probably just because her immune system's low because she's still a baby so anyway 
that cleared up and then um she cut her foot you guys heard that whole thing and had to get stitches and stuff and that was like really really scary because it was bleeding a ton and it was a really bad cut and that was the first like injury that I've ever had to deal with so that was really really scary and then she also had the marijuana toxicity situation where I literally thought she was like having a stroke and was gonna die I have a whole episode on that called what happened to Willa if you want to listen to that that was like the hardest thing I've ever done so far. Like I was so, so terrified and like no one was really around to help because it was around Christmas time and everyone was just out and like it was late at night and we had like we were at a party with Greg's family and then Hazel was still like a puppy then and so we didn't bring her with us and so she was at home and so like there was just so many moving parts and like we had to go to the emergency room for like four hours and it was very stressful so that kind of stuff is definitely the hardest part but the easiest part of being a dog parent honestly is just like on a daily basis when things are going well having a dog really isn't too big of a deal at least for us like our dogs are very well behaved and so now especially that hazel's older it's really not that big of a deal so the easiest part is just like loving them and like being with them when things are going well but the hardest part is when things aren't going well knowing what to do someone said the right way to train and discipline without hurting your dog physically and emotionally so we went to puppy classes for both of our dogs and the first one that we went to was the most helpful like it helped us train willa so well and it did use like a punishment reward system but not in like a physical way. So basically with a lot of stuff, it was like, I'll just give an example. So if you're walking your dog and it wants to go see another dog, so you start walking towards the dog and then your dog starts like jumping and barking and like being all crazy and you don't want it to be like that. The punishment is stepping back and bringing your dog further away from what it is they want. And then the reward, once they're being good again and once they're calm, is letting them go see it. We learned so much about like dog behavior and like how dogs' minds work from that training. And it definitely was so much more helpful for us versus Willa. And we worked so much on it. So another kind of background thing about us is that Greg and I both work from home. So that's the reason why we got a dog in the first place was because I was like, I have the time to look after a dog. I'm home all day, every day. (laughs) Not much different from now being in quarantine, but we were home to feed her every meal. We're home to, you know, monitor her behavior. And so as she was growing up as a puppy, she didn't really spend a lot of time by herself. She didn't have a lot of opportunity to learn bad behaviors. So we really like every day we worked for maybe like 10 to 20 minutes on training for a couple months. And that like during the, while we were also going to the dog training. So like whatever we learned that week, we would practice really, really hard with her for the week and then like go to the next class. And she was always one of the kind of best ones in the class. And I think it's just because we didn't expect those once a week training things to train our dog for us we knew that that was like a guide and we really had to work on training her ourselves and we still do it every single day there's usually something that we're kind of working on or something that we're practicing so right now we're practicing since our yard is fenced we let them out to run around and so we're practicing to have them come to us every single time we call them so if they're like doing something they're not supposed to or if they're like barking at the neighbor's dog we can just open the window or open the door and call them and they'll come up 
And they don't do it every single time, but that's kind of what we're working on right now. The right way to train them is just consistency, consistency, consistency. Like you don't have to hurt a dog to let them know that they're doing something wrong. You don't even have to like raise your voice at all. It just kind of comes down to learning dog behavior and learning how dogs think and like how dogs view the world and then just tailoring whatever training you're doing with them to that. So I'll probably talk about this a little bit more throughout um, because I feel like there's some more questions that I see here that are kind of about training. Okay, someone said, what are some dog products that you think are overrated? Dog products that I think are overrated. Okay, I think harnesses are super overrated. So the kind of thing with harnesses is that they really, like especially for puppies and dogs that don't know better, harnesses really encourage pulling because it's just like this thing on their body and they're able to put their whole body into the motion of like accelerating forward and they can really pull you around so something that we've been so conscious about from the start because we knew our dogs were going to grow up to be big dogs my parents didn't care about this at all because their dog is 12 pounds and she like pulls on the leash all day long and if she's being too bad they literally just pick her up but when your dog is like 80 pounds you don't really have the luxury of being able to do that so if you're out on a walk they could actually like injure you or like pull you into a ditch which has happened to me so we've always been really cautious from the start to not do anything that's going to encourage pulling behavior so for a while when we didn't know better we had just a regular collar and a leash and I always hated that but that's what they asked us to use in puppy class and stuff so that's what we used Um, But then kind of recently, maybe like last fall, we discovered something called a no pull harness. And this is kind of like if you know what a choke collar is, it's basically a collar that like as they pull, it tightens. And obviously I think that's horrible. And I don't think anyone should ever use a choke collar. That's so horrible. But this is the same idea where it's a harness that when they pull, it tightens around their like shoulders and back not so it doesn't stop them from pulling because they're in pain it doesn't hurt them at all but it just tightens in a way that like kind of immobilizes them and doesn't allow them to like use momentum and like pull you along so this has helped so much and I don't know why more people don't talk about these I think regular harnesses are so overrated and people always say like oh get a harness get a harness but I would never have a regular harness unless my dog is super well-trained and a lot older. So I will always use a no-pull harness because they just work so much better. What else? I think like fluffy, stuffy dog toys are super dumb because most dogs will just rip them apart and they're not allowed to eat stuffing anyway. So like you'll spend money on it and then they'll just rip it up and you have to take it away from them because then they could ingest it and choke on it or like get it stuck in their intestines. So I think it's, um, those are really stupid too. I guess if you have like an older dog who doesn't chew up toys, but for a puppy, we got a little stuffed toy and Willa ripped it up. What difficulties do you have with dog behavior? Do they have any behavioral issues? So Willa does. She has, I guess you would call it leash aggression. So she's been going to doggy daycare since she was a baby. And she, so she's always really used to like being able to go see whatever dog she wants to like she's off leash there they just like have full reign to like go see whatever dogs they want and like go play with whatever dogs they want and then we also started doing off leash hikes with her where again she kind of has like free reign to like go play with whatever dog she wants 
So anytime that we put a leash on her now and we walk by a dog that she wants to go see, she starts doing that like husky, high-pitched cry whining sound that sounds like she's being beaten. Like it's such a horrible like screeching sound because she's like whining because she wants to go see the dog. But then if we do take her to go see the dog and it exhibits any sort of like I don't know, even if it just like lunges towards her, she has this like weird aggression thing where she'll just like start growling at them and like kind of trying to like jump on top of them. And that's not cool with us. And it's definitely not cool with other dog owners. So we're working on that a lot. We're working on it right now. Like basically what we're doing to kind of get that under control because we've been doing a lot more leash walks now since um, a lot of the parks are closed and we can't do off-leash stuff we'll have a bunch of treats and then so Greg always walks Willa because she's a bit more of a handful so she'll be he'll be like holding the leash in one hand and then in his other hand he'll have a treat and as we're kind of approaching a dog if we see it before she does which we usually try and like scan and see what's going on he'll start feeding her a treat and she's super food motivated so like if there's a treat in front of her face that's all she cares about and then he'll just kind of hold it just out of her reach so she's focusing on that as we pass a dog and then even if she looks over and sees it she'll usually turn back towards the treat and then he'll give that treat to her and then he'll say like good job like really good and then keep walking so that's kind of the only behavioral problem that she has other than that she's like literally perfect Um, She listens so well. She picks up on things so fast. Like she's so smart. Hazel was a lot slower to learn things. And I would say her behavioral issue is she is like really whiny and barky if someone leaves the house. So like if Greg leaves the house with Willa or like goes to the mailbox or something, she'll just like whine like a freaking banshee (laughs) and it's really hard to get her to stop I think she has some separation anxiety and stuff and like that's a whole other beast on its own so yeah we're working on that we're doing little like Greg will leave to go get the mail every day and then come back two minutes later and she's like okay starting to learn like okay if he leaves he is gonna come back but I do have to like work really hard on distracting her when that happens because she is very very vocal and she was the whiniest puppy I've ever heard it was insane but other than that um they don't really have any like aggression towards each other they're pretty much best friends forever (laughs) they've been best friends since the start and like they just get closer and closer every day and we can see them like just having so much more fun with each other every single day so we're really lucky in that respect um okay someone said how did you teach teach them tricks and commands so the way we did this for stuff that we didn't learn in the puppy classes we just youtube it like if we want to learn how to teach a dog to shake a paw which obviously they don't teach in puppy class because it's like not necessary but we love this this is like our favorite trick um we just youtubed it and found a video that taught you how to do it and then yeah you just do what the video says as long as the video is like you know, they're not hurting the dog or anything. Like you want to make sure it's a reputable source. But um, yeah, we just learned through YouTube videos. Someone else said, how do you potty train them? I have a yellow lab pup and he's a handful. Yeah, Willa took about four months before she stopped having accidents in the house. Um, She would still like have the occasional accident up until she was about seven months old. Um, And the last accident, accident she had was... Uh, peeing on our bed and that was when she was about seven months old and I remember being like what the fuck you're seven months old like why did you just pee on my bed um but I think it was just because she got too excited but 
potty training is such a nightmare and we didn't have our yard fenced when we were potty training both of our dogs so basically I would get the dogs on a schedule so it was like a crate training and potty training schedule and I know not everyone uses a crate but in North America crates are super common and like it's recommended by the vet and all of that so basically they go in the crate Okay, no. So they wake up in the morning, they sleep in the crate, they wake up, you take them out immediately. Sometimes you have to take them out throughout the night if they're really little, like we had to do that with Hazel. Willa slept through the night right from the beginning, so that was good. Um, So they wake up, you take them out to pee. If they pee, you make a big deal out of it. You're like so happy, so excited, make it a really fun thing for them and then bring them in, give them their breakfast, wait like five minutes and then take them out to use the bathroom again Anytime that they eat or drink, you'll have to take them out between like five or 10 minutes after that. So then we would do like a little bit of playtime and then they go in the crate for their nap. So however long that is, like an hour, two hours. And then after that, when they wake up, you take them directly outside. Like don't do anything. Don't get them all excited. Just take them right outside. Let them pee, make a big deal out of it, bring them in, give them lunch or play with them, whatever. Take them out again put them back in the crate so it basically was like that on repeat for the whole day and for a while there we were taking hazel out like every 10 to 20 minutes all day and (laughs) this is like it was you know it was doable because I was home all day I didn't really get a lot done but she had accidents all the time like she was really slow to learn it with Willa I was able to do the crate schedule a little bit easier but I don't know how people do it when they're puppy has to be home like six hours a day like people who work full-time who get a pet I don't know how they do it like the dog must just have to pee in its crate all day I guess like I don't know I (sighs) I have a lot of thoughts on that but basically yeah that's how we did it and Hazel took a really long time like she had a lot of accidents up until very recently so you just have to keep at it you have to take them out so often I think if our yard was fenced and we were able to just like let her out whenever it would have been less of a burden and less of a struggle for us because you know all throughout the winter having to like put on your shoes put on your coat put on your hat put on your mittens take her outside then take it all off and then 10 minutes later put it all back on and she would drink so much water at one time we had to start limiting the amount of water she drank at one time because she would drink a bunch and then pee literally every five to ten minutes for an hour afterwards it was fucked up (laughs) she was a just a rough puppy so that's what I would suggest watch like a ton of potty training videos I watched a ton of Zach George on YouTube his name's like Z-A-K George He's amazing. His videos helped so much. I love his training videos and like his just dog behavior videos. He's kind of like my go-to. Someone said, how do you deal with fur on literally every surface and all your clothes? Yeah, so right before we got a dog, I read this article that was talking about dog hair and it was just like, prepare to have dog hair everywhere, like literally even in your bowl of soup. So I was very prepared and now there's like dog hair in my food always and there's dog hair on the floor and on the couches and on my clothes and we vacuum once a day, but like there's still hair everywhere all the time. You basically just have to get used to it and if you love dogs a lot, then you kind of just like don't mind it, I guess. (laughs) Do you give your dogs vitamins or minerals or oils um no we don't not yet anyway how do you deal with dog's hair and the smell so for the smell 
we have this product. I think it's by Chi for pets, like C-H-I. And it's like a spray shampoo thing. So whenever it's like rainy out and they get that wet dog smell, I'll just like spray them down with that a couple times a day. And that, first of all, helps their fur dry faster. I don't know how, but it does. And it makes them smell really good. So you can just get like a spray shampoo or like a deodorizer. Make sure you get it from a pet store so it's like safe to use on pets. But I just use that. Other than that, dogs just like kind of smell sometimes <laughs> as long as they're clean, like you're cleaning their paws and like they only really smell bad when it rains. So someone said, can you talk about how you prepared for each dog we're adopting this year? So we didn't really prepare for Willa because we got her within like two days. Like we didn't know we were getting her up until two days before. So we really weren't prepared. We just learned as we went. And then with Hazel, it was the same thing because we brought her home with us from Alberta. So like we weren't really, I mean, we had talked about getting a second dog, but we didn't really have any way to prepare. We literally just like brought her home. It was 10 o'clock at night. We were just bringing a brand new dog into our house and we hadn't seen Willa for a week. So that was so stressful and I was so upset and I felt so bad for Willa and I didn't know how she was going to react. We literally just came home and she looked like so betrayed and was looking at us like, okay, where the fuck were you? And then she started smelling us and she was like, mom. And I was like, oh my God. And then we like bring the puppy in and she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and yeah, so it was, uh, it was stressful. We didn't realize the amount that they are going to be playing together. Like they wanted to play nonstop and still do. And back then Hazel was a lot smaller than her. So we had to keep a really close eye on her and make sure that she wasn't going to get like injured or trampled or, you know, if Willa got too rough, like sometimes she would like pull on her leg and like flip her onto her back. And that always really bothered me. And so I would have to get mad at Willa and be like, no, you can't do that. But now they still have the same play style and we just let them rip at each other. Like <laughs> our vet and like our dog trainer was like, as long as there's no blood flying, like most types of play are fine as long as they're, you know, playing and not actually fighting. And we can tell the difference now. We've like seen Willow and Hazel playing with dogs enough to know what their play style is. So yeah, we weren't prepared at all. But again, we just learned as we went, there was a lot of stress. There was a lot of tears on my part, but it all worked out and it's really like looking back on it, it's like, okay, you forget all the bad stuff and all you can think about is how much you love them. Someone said, what's your opinion on owners who don't take the time to train their dogs? <laughs> yeah. So people who don't train their dogs, I mean, I don't have a bad opinion of them. I just think they're making their life miserable. Honestly, it's really not that hard to train a dog. It takes like five to 10 minutes a day. And then just like seeing little moments throughout the day that could be a learning opportunity and taking advantage of them like if someone comes over to your house just take that as an opportunity to train them not to jump on them or if someone walks by your house train them not to bark at the window um it's just kind of like you know training as you see fit but taking literally five to ten minutes a day and working on one thing is a way to build a really solid foundation and have really good dogs and like I said our dogs for the most part are both super well behaved and I think it's just because we're really diligent with it and we don't put up with their bullshit and we don't let them just like do whatever they want when they want that being said we do always have their best interests at heart and if I know they're just like 
being silly one day, I don't obviously get mad at them. But if they're doing something that I know they know better, then we'll take that as an opportunity to like start from the bottom and retrain them again. Someone said, thoughts on people whose lifestyle is not well matched for the dog breed. Guys, I'm going to say this once and I don't want anyone to feel bad, but my opinion on this is very strong. So right now, doodles are all the rage, like Bernadoodles, golden doodles, double doodles, like fucking palma poodles and malta poos and poo this and poo that and fucking doodle this and doodle that. Like every second dog that I see either online or whatever, like people who get them on Instagram is a fucking doodle hybrid of some sort. Okay. I get it. They're fluffy. They're so cute. They're supposed to be low shedding, but like that sometimes is just a lie. But I have to tell you, like for people who don't know this, poodles are so smart. Okay. Like they are one of the smartest dogs out there. I'm pretty sure. So this dog, not only if it's combined with kind of like a devious breed, but combining any sort of breed with a dog that's that smart, you have to be prepared. <laughs> and also, they're usually so high energy. So when we went to our puppy class with Hazel, okay, there was her, who's like a St. Bernard, Great Pyrenees mix, whatever, kind of a lazy breed, like, sorry, lazy breeds. Every other dog in the class of six dogs was a doodle hybrid like there was a little shitsa poodle whatever and then there was a labradoodle and a bernadoodle and a mini golden doodle and every single one of them was fucking crazy like running in circles and like barking and lunging at the leash and like just like spazzing and twitching everywhere like so high energy and all of these people who had them literally looked like what the fuck did I get myself into because they got this dog when it was probably eight weeks old it was like a little ball of fluff and then now when it's like four months old and getting a personality of its own it's like just this fucking psycho dog that they don't know what to do with and they weren't expecting that amount of energy and just to be clear I do in fact love all doodles I think they're super cute and they are a perfect animal and companion for anyone who has the time and energy and means to have them. I just think sometimes people don't look into them enough. They just see a cute picture and kind of go based on that, and that can be detrimental to the dog. The saying, a tired dog is a good dog, is mostly true, and getting your dog the not only physical activity it needs, but mental stimulation that it needs in order to calm down and not be a fucking psycho is a lot of work. And we did not realize that huskies were so high maintenance in the activity and like mental stimulation department. A Bernese mountain dog is a little bit more of like a kind of lazy dog, but Willa is so, so husky influenced. Like she is extremely high energy and she is so smart and she needs a lot of stimulation to not like destroy our house. And the one day we didn't take her for a walk, she chewed one of the rungs on our deck. <laughs> like if she does not get the exercise and the stimulation she needs, she will become destructive. And we know that. So there are so many dogs that are so intense. And if you're not prepared for that, you're going to end up being miserable or you're going to end up giving it away. And that makes me so mad. I've seen so many dogs advertised online or on Kijiji. That's like a golden, it's always a golden doodle, a border collie or some sort of like lab husky mix. 
And every time it's like four month old puppy selling it, have to give it away because I don't have the time to give it like the the time and energy that it needs. And it boils my blood. I'm like, now you have to put this dog through a traumatic situation of rehoming it because you were not prepared to take care of this dog. Whoa, that was a rant. I just, I guys, I think if you get a dog and you're not prepared to have this dog for its life, which is anywhere from eight to like 12 years for a big dog and up to like 16 years for a small dog. My parents' medium-sized dog lived to be 16. If you're not prepared to have that dog and take care of it and give it everything it needs and pay for its vet bills and give it exercise every single day and make every day of its short life, you know, a good day for that dog, why are you getting a dog? I cannot stand people who just get a dog on a whim and then give it away when it's like a year old because they're like, oh, I just don't want to take care of it anymore. I don't think people who give dogs away are bad people. I just think if you're like in that situation and you don't even research your dog's breed before you get it, you're in for a lot of trouble. I say this coming from someone who (laughs) got a dog that is half Great Pyrenees and did not research great Pyrenees is okay if I had known that we wouldn't have gotten Hazel I'll explain that but we would not have gotten her (laughs) I know it's crazy and I'm so happy we have her now but researching the breed after the fact has made me understand her so much more Great Pyrenees are actually a nocturnal dog so they are meant to be livestock guardians meaning they're supposed to patrol the perimeter of a farm at night to ward off coyotes and like predators and stuff so that it doesn't, you know, attack your animals. So (laughs) they don't sleep super soundly at night. Hazel like is fucking knocked out all night. Like she's just sleeps all night, whatever, because she's, you know, been trained to sleep at night now. But if you just like have a great Pyrenees and you put it on your farm, it will stay up at night and patrol the perimeter of your farm. It just kind of knows to do that. So they can, can, they don't have to, they don't always, but a purebred Pyrenees can like stay up at night and like bark at a lot of things that it thinks are a threat. So that's the first thing I didn't know. Second thing, they are super hard to train because they don't give a fuck about training. Like if we ask Hazel to do something, she'll think about it for at least 30 seconds before she decides if she wants to do it. And half the time she decides she doesn't want to do it. Like even just sitting. If I have a treat and I'm holding it in front of her face and I'm like, here, sit. She like thinks about it. And then sometimes she's like, eh, and walks away. And we're like, damn it. (laughs) And Willa literally before you can even get the word out, she's sitting. So they are hard to train. They don't give a fuck. If we're on a walk and we have food, she does not care. Like you, we cannot train her the same way we trained Willa. So we've had to learn a lot of different things. But yeah, so coming from someone who did not research the breed before we got it, that's why I'm so passionate about this because it could have turned out so much worse for us. Okay, that's all I'm ever going to say on that. I don't think I need a rant anymore. I'm very sorry for that rant, but I feel very strongly about this. Someone said, would you or do you travel with them in an airplane? So we brought Hazel in an airplane back from Alberta. It was horrible. Would never do it again. She screamed the whole time. So um, don't recommend that. I think if you have a small dog and they can travel with you in the cabin, then that's fine. But putting them in cargo is very sad and I would only do it if I absolutely had to. Um, 
someone said how to balance your life slash work schedule with taking care of a dog. So for us, again, because we work from home, it's quite easy. We have all day, like if midday they need to go for a walk, then we'll just do that. But for the most part, we wake up, we let them outside immediately into the backyard. They'll play for like an hour and then they'll have breakfast and then they'll sleep and then they'll go back outside to play and then they'll come in and eat and then they'll sleep. And it's just kind of like a repetitive schedule and they exercise each other so well in the backyard like they'll just run around and chase each other for and like play for so long but we also take them for like an hour walk we've been walking them a lot more lately just because we have the time and like we want to get out of the house even if we didn't they exercise really well in the backyard and then when it's open and when it's not (laughs) quarantine season Um, we take them to daycare a couple times a week so they can like socialize with other dogs and play with other dogs. Someone said, what do you need for a dog when it is right? When is it right? And where do you recommend to get dogs? Okay, so (laughs) I have lots of thoughts and maybe unpopular opinions on this too. So both of our dogs were from accidental litters. So we got Willa on, we found her on Kijiji from this family who had a husky who was like eight years old who hadn't been spayed and they got a puppy who was a Bernese mountain dog and when he was six months old he got their eight-year-old husky pregnant and they obviously did not mean for this to happen because it's very dangerous for a dog to have a, a litter after like five years old but they didn't think that he was able to get her pregnant at that young of an age but he did and so um they were looking to rehome the puppies and so we ended up getting willa from them and then with hazel we met this girl in banff well no she was in calgary actually who ha- kind of the same thing happened like she was about to get her dog spayed and then her brother's dog like got it pregnant it was the weekend before thanksgiving weekend and she didn't know what she was going to do with hazel because all the other puppies had found homes but she didn't know what to do with hazel because she was going away the next weekend and bringing one of the puppies to her parents and we were like well we didn't want her to like go to a shelter or like go somewhere that wasn't good so we were like oh we'll take her like we want a second dog anyway so we brought her home from there so that's where we got both of our dogs i obviously think rescuing a dog or getting a dog from a shelter is a good idea especially if it's a puppy because then it's kind of just like getting a puppy from any source like whether it's like from a breeder or an accidental litter or a shelter if it's a puppy you have a really good chance of you know, training it and bringing it up the way you want to. So that's kind of a no-brainer. If you have a shelter close to you that has puppies, definitely do that. You have to be so careful with stuff like Kijiji because you there's so many people who are like, oh, like golden doodles, whatever. But it's just like, they just like bred their neighbor's poodle and like their golden retriever. And like, you don't know if the dog's going to have health problems or behavioral problems and like if it's been treated well. And I know a lot of people are really well-meaning, but you just have to be so careful and if you ever get like a bad gut feeling chances are it is a bad situation and you probably shouldn't buy a dog from them both of the families who we got both of our dogs from we were able to meet them and we felt that they really were being honest that it was accidental and both of them now like haven't had any more litters of puppies or anything like we keep in touch with them and they are good people and you know they were just kind of in an accidental situation that's my thoughts on that i don't hate all breeders i don't think all breeders should be shut down but i do think backyard breeders who 
don't pay attention to the health of their dogs and like breed their dogs too frequently obviously that's horrible and obviously i don't agree with it jasmine from sweet simple vegan asked um why is two better than one she wants a second dog so bad having two dogs is so much better than having one for so many reasons but mostly it's just like have like having them have a member of the family who is their own species and who communicates in the same way as them and who understands the world in the same way as them is so invaluable like seeing willa and hazel communicate and play in the way that dogs love to like grab grabbing onto each other's neck scruff and like ripping at each other's neck that's what they love to do and they're never going to get that style of play with a person and like us like throwing a ball for them is never going to replace like running after each other and tackling each other into the mud humans and dogs just can't have that kind of relationship that dogs really crave and it's just been the best thing ever and i recommend it so much obviously there's downsides to having two as well but yeah that's why two is better than one <laughs> someone says do your dogs ever fight if so how to deal with it um no they do not fight someone said adding a second puppy how did the dynamic change and what did willa do so because we got a second puppy when willa was still a puppy i think it actually worked really well so i think having like a middle-aged dog or a young dog and getting a second one is usually kind of the best chance of success and bringing a dog into the house that is younger than the one you already have kind of helps them establish like the pecking order and you know the older dog can correct the younger dog if need be um it it honestly was fine like we had a few days where we were unsure of you know if they were playing or if willa was like not happy with her but after you learn their dynamic and learn their play styles, like you'll really begin to understand if your existing dog is taking well to the puppy. They pretty much always do. Like dogs just, they love other dogs. And even if the puppy's annoying, it'll outgrow that really fast. And then chances are they'll be best friends. Someone said, how do you clean your dog's paws after every walk? We just like towel dry them if they're wet or if they're super muddy and it's kind of caked on, we'll just fill up a big bowl with warm water and like dip their paw in and swish it around and then dry it off with a towel. Um, how did you know they would get along slash how did you help them adjust to each other? Yeah, again, they were both young. So Willow was just like, oh, a friend and like the rest is history. <laughs> we actually, I mean, if you're introducing another dog into the household, you're supposed to like have them meet on neutral ground and then bring them into the house together. But we straight up just like brought Hazel in and plopped her in front of Willow and was like, hi, <laughs> uh, which is not what you're supposed to do. But it was really late at night. And we were really tired from traveling. So that's just kind of what we had to do. Someone said, do you have a dog walker? We do. Um, we don't use her as much anymore because we started going on our own walks. But we have sent Willow with her many, many times to do like big hikes and stuff. How to get your dog to come inside when you call her. She just wants to play. So the only way that we found to do this is to like call them up. And if they don't come, then you go a bit closer and you show them that you have a treat or like a food that they really like. And then when they come to you, you give it to them inside and like reward them a bunch. And we just practice that all the time. Like even if our dogs aren't doing anything bad or like don't really have to come inside, I'll still call them. And then every time they come back, I'll give them treats and like give them praise and stuff. And they learned really quickly to come when called. And I think it's just because we gave them a treat every single time and like made it a really fun experience. Um, Best flea and tick prevention. So we just give them like a monthly heartworm preventative and like a tick chewable thing it's just one that we get from our vet 
best techniques to stop your dog from rolling in poo? Uh, (laughs) The trick is to spot the poop before your dog does and then lure them away from it or pull them away with their leash. Willa has done that before and it's absolutely disgusting. She did it on a walk with our dog walker and I felt really bad because she had to like drive her home after. But yeah, you just got to be very vigilant when you're out with your dog and like try and spot things before it happens. Willa also eats poop. Like I've straight up watched her like lean down and like pick up a piece of Hazel's poop and just eat it. And it actually makes me want to throw up. Like it's the worst thing ever. And I do get mad at her when she does that. Not like actually mad. Like I would never like hit her or yell at her, but I talk in a very stern voice and I say no. And then I bring her inside and I like clean her up. Okay, I'm so hungry, so I need to really, like, wrap this up. Um, How do you keep them from tracking dirt into the house? Your house looks so clean. No, they track dirt into our house, but we have a washable carpet, we have a good vacuum, and we have a mop. So that's how we do that. (laughs) And How you trained off-leash slash how you trust that your dogs won't run off or get hurt. So the way that we actually trained off-leash is we sent willa with an off-leash dog walker who walks dogs in a big pack and she just learned to like stay with the pack that way and then when we started walking her and hazel off-leash she just kind of knew to stay with us um so i think the best way to do it is just kind of start doing it from when you think they're mature enough and when you think their recall is good enough because if you're ever Like if they're off leash and like they're going to do something you don't want them to, you have to be able to call them back, like especially if there's something dangerous. So you can find YouTube videos on this and like special trainers and stuff for this. We just started going to trails where there weren't any other dogs or people like or, you know, weren't very many so that we were kind of their only focus. And I think that that helped a lot. Someone said, how important is strict upbringing? Couldn't bring myself to do it. Would feel sorry. I think it's really important, not strict in the way that like the dog is afraid of you, but I think being strict in the sense of being consistent with expectations and being consistent with your corrections. Like if you sometimes let your dog do something and then other times get mad at it, that's not being strict. And I think you should be strict in that sense because your dog just has to know what's expected of it in order for it to do well and to know what to do. So like my parents will like, put up with stuff from their dog sometimes and then other times kind of let it slide whereas we try and like be consistent with our expectations every single time and either not let them do the thing every single time or let them do the thing every single time and if we let them do it then we know we have to be prepared to keep letting them do it so if it's something that you know you may not like in the future like you know letting them jump up when they're a puppy if they're going to become a hundred pound dog then you want to stop letting them do that at a really young age so that they don't you know think it's okay growing up and then all of a sudden you're getting mad at them for jumping on you you know what I mean So I do think that being strict in that sense is really important. Okay, so I'm going to wrap it up here because I've been talking for quite a while. I am freaking hungry (laughs) and I want to go see my dogs now. So I hope that this was a helpful episode. Um, If you guys want me to do a part two or if you have further questions, you can always message me. But I mean, I know this doesn't apply to everyone, especially cat people and (laughs) people who don't have pets. So um, if you listened all the way through, thank you. I appreciate it. But I hope that this was helpful to those of you who do have pets or who want to get them in the future. Um, 
So yeah, that's going to be everything for me today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review on iTunes if you have the app. And yeah, I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye.